Hello, and welcome to The Popcorn Isn't Real. I'm Leif Eric. I'm here with my brother Torvald. We've got an amazing show for you today. Today we're going to be talking about RoboCop. 1987 classic. Um, some might call it like an, an action masterpiece. Uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a terrific movie. I don't know. Would you call it an action movie? Yeah, I, you would probably classify it as an action movie. Certainly all the things that were trying to capitalize on its success thought of it as an action movie and tried to make other action Right, movies. yeah. Uh, but I mean, you would just call it a social satire, right? That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, social satire. <laughs> but first, let's give some information about the movie. Uh, it was made in 1987, written by Michael Miner and Edward Neumeyer, directed by Paul Verhoeven, stars Peter Weller as Robocop, uh, Kurtwood Smith as Clarence. Uh, you might know him as Red from uh, That 70s Show. Got uh, Miguel Ferrer as Morton. War. It's fantastic. You know oh, that yeah. guy? Yeah, he's great. Now, I have so much to say about this movie because, like, not only is it so good, but it had such a storied and rocky production. Yeah. Paul Verhoeven throwing the script in the trash <laughs> the yeah, first time he read it. Story. Peter Weller hiring a literal, like, mime to teach him for months how to move as RoboCop and then having to throw everything away and relearn it in a few hours when the suit didn't allow him to, you know, move. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's the, the story of the suit itself going way over budget, getting redesigned over and over, taking 10 months just to design and produce it. As a kid, I always thought RoboCop was like Terminator. Yeah. So I was like, man, Terminator would totally beat RoboCop in a fight. But as I, you know, matured, I realized that they're I mean, just honestly, completely entirely different. anyone could beat RoboCop in a fight. <laughs> right, That's exactly. All, all he does is lose in all of his movies. Terminator and RoboCop are 100% different. Like, they're, they're conceptually, like, opposites almost. I don't know how founded it is, but there's a rumor that the stunt coordinators, um, they were a brother and sister team, and they were both going through messy divorces at the same time while filming the movie. And the reason it was happening at the same time is because their respective spouses had run off together, <laughs> <laughs> which is insane. Yeah. So. You probably don't want stunt coordinators who are just like in, in that kind of mood of like, yeah, I just wish everyone would die. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're the ones no, who like, are in charge of making sure you don't die. <laughs> it's a really good movie. And I'm really excited to talk about it. But first, I want to make sure to introduce my theory right off the bat. So, hey, Leif, why don't you talk us through RoboCop? What's this movie even about? It's about a man who is a cop. His name is Murphy. And he gets killed while doing cop things. And he gets brought back to life by being turned into a cyborg slash robot. And then that robot goes around and enforces the law. But of course, he was created by this company, OCP, that controls and owns the police force. And that company is evil, and so eventually he has to kind of fight back against his own creators, and he ends up winning, in short, uh, after losing a lot. And of course, the whole movie is just a giant social satire against, like, capitalism and the, the culture of the time, I guess. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hold on, Leif. Leif. <laughs> Are you sure you watched the movie titled RoboCop and you did not, in fact, read a book titled The Bible? <laughs> because what? sounded oh, to me like oh. you were just telling the story of a certain <laughs> oh, man named gee. Jesus Christ. Gosh. <laughs> 
don't now know. I'm now I'm uh, <laughs> now I'm really confused. I don't know. I don't. Oh boy! <laughs> I mean, I have read the Bible, so <laughs> it's possible I got the two confused. <laughs> well, allow me to blow your mind, Leif, because it turns out the story of Jesus Christ and the story of the resurrected robot you just told are one and the same. Oh, oh my goodness! <laughs> that oh. <laughs> RoboCop is in fact an American Jesus. Wow. Oh, <laughs> we're wow. going to prove it. <laughs> Dude, I can't wait. There is a legend that RoboCop director Paul Verhoeven, who is a historical Jesus Christ scholar, he's the author of a book called Jesus of Nazareth, uh, which basically like breaks down Jesus as a person and tries to build up an idea of who he really was. He's the only member of the Jesus Seminar who does not have a degree in biblical studies. And there's this legend that he worked this idea of the historical Jesus into the character of Murphy and Robocop while directing the movie. Not just a legend, but what, didn't Verhoeven say it? Right, yeah, Verhoeven has said it, but do you buy it? I mean, yeah, yeah. When I watched the movie with that in mind, because we were going to do this episode, I uh, came away with like, uh, I don't know, maybe three notes. <laughs> no, exactly. Like, I think most people watch Robocop and don't think it's Jesus, right? Like, no one's watching There, There are certainly that. some similarities here and there. The legend is that Verhoeven crafted and molded RoboCop into the story of the American Jesus, that he's fighting crime, protecting his fellow man, preaching his own gospel, rising from the grave and avenging his own death, um, which Jesus didn't quite avenge no, his own he death, but do he's that. the American Jesus. <laughs> Wasn't really right? in his wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> so what I've done is I've tried to map certain quotes and events from RoboCop's life to events in Jesus's life. Okay. And I've done my best to catalog all these instances, and I'm going to present them for you as proof that RoboCop is, in fact, the American Jesus that Paul Verhoeven and the rest of the crew envisioned when making RoboCop. Yeah. And uh, we're also going to have Michael Miner on, who is the writer of RoboCop, and we're going to get his thoughts on this entire idea. We're joined by writer-director uh, Michael Miner. Welcome to our show. We have ignition. <laughs> Awesome. It's so great to meet you. Good to meet you too. So Michael, I wanted to start by just asking you about how your career got started. I know you were a student um, in California and you made a short film called Labyrinths. And then I believe you were hired as a writer on Robocop while you were still a student. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, it's uh, actually, I guess my career as a storyteller, even though I didn't know it started in an English class in high school uh, where I was mentored by a really exceptional person, teacher named Frank Jansen. I was so, uh, the, the, the 98 pound weakling president of scholarship club, but I was being tortured all the time by the cooler crowd. I wrote this short story that I refused to read in class, but Frank read in front of 30 fellow students and several of them cried. And I thought, oh, wow, wow. I've got power over my tormentors. <laughs> but I think I became a writer that day at the age of 16. And uh, as an undergraduate, studied uh, English literature and theater and started a film society at UC Riverside. And this was in the late 60s and early 70s. And then was accepted to the UCLA Film School. After okay. making a 
short Super 8 film that attracted a lot of attention. I wrote an outline for an idea that became Labyrinths, inspired mm -hmm. by one of my literary mentors, Jorge Luis Borges, who's published a collection of short stories under the title Labyrinths. I wasn't really a screenwriter then. I had a, an outline for scenes that we then rendered and I shot in a kind of impro improvisational style, recorded on 16 millimeter film. That story, which was about five astronauts trapped in a spaceship who had a machine that would allow them to have collective dreams together. And then we went into those dreams and it was a half an hour of science fiction, fantasy, associative dreams that then stepped back out when the astronauts woke up. It won a lot of awards and made me sort of a rock star at UCLA. And I guess the other big influence at that time was Philip K. Dick, who I happened to meet and get to know uh, and subsequently optioned his short story paycheck for 500 bucks. Uh, that's very cool that you met Philip K. Dick. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> it was great. It was a great experience. I, I, I'm a huge fan. I've, I've tried to get a couple of his other books going. So I optioned it for $500 and wrote a screenplay that almost got set up. We got close and it fell apart. And thank God it did because I didn't know what I was doing. Then I made another short at UCLA called Alias Jane Doe, which traveled around the town and was seen by a lot of executives in Hollywood. And one of these uh, executives who saw it was Ed Newmeyer, my future Robocop partner. So we had similar ideas. He had an idea called Robocop. And then I had an idea called Supercop. On nights and weekends, we started co-writing the script. And in three months, we had a first draft called Robocop. If possible, I would love to actually hear a little more about Supercop, because I've heard just a little bit about it that apparently it was about a police officer who was like affected by different appliances, but I don't really understand. Like, what, what was it originally about? What was your idea? It was about a, a, a police officers who start wearing these, what I guess could be called fighting suits now. If you look at the Tom Cruise film, Edge of Tomorrow. So they start wearing these appliances and it starts affecting them psychologically and, and, and turns them into bad cops. My idea was more of a story about robotic appliances that humans wear, whereas Ed's idea was about a human trapped inside a machine. We were both on a similar expedition. I heard that originally you were thinking that you might direct RoboCop, and I was wondering how it ended up with uh, Paul Verhoeven. Yeah, for about 30 seconds, <laughs> I had kidded myself into thinking that I was going to direct. It would have been a much different and inferior film because Paul, who we were lucky enough to get after a director's search, which included passes from George Cosmatos and Curtis Hansen, thank God they passed. So I pitched Paul to Ed and, and John Davison, the producer. Paul, when he first read the script, he, he threw it aside because he thought it was just a, a, a genre cartoon. But Martine, his wife, mm -hmm. who is a psychotherapist, read it and said, you should look more closely at this because there are themes of resurrection, mm -hmm. the ghost in the machine. And Paul reread it and he just finished Flesh and Blood for Orion. So there was a, a, a trusting business relationship. 
And, you know, we were incredibly lucky to get him. It sounds like the stars really aligned to make this movie happen. The team that was on it was just jaw-droppingly amazing. I apologize for not mentioning Peter because he's a marathon runner. He consulted with a mime, a famous mime in New York about movement, about how to make something robotic, but also seem a little bit like ballet or modern dance. And again, it could have been just a a stuntman in a wetsuit, which a lesser director and actor would have rendered. But Peter sold the whole illusion. I wanted to ask you just because I've seen the music video Don't Stop Running um, by Y&T, which I've heard that you directed. It starts with this kind of geeky boy who gets a, he, he wants to go out with this girl, but he gets rejected. And then he transforms into this robot with a very prominent face mask, right? Kind of like a certain RoboCop we know. <laughs> and then he goes on to fight crime, right? He beats up those muggers. Do, do you think this was kind of a proto-RoboCop? Was that what? <laughs> Ed and I had rules for RoboCop. Sort of, we call them the John Wayne rules. He can't be, be on a telephone. He can't kiss the girl. He can't ride a bicycle and he can't fly. Oh, wow. Those were the real prime directives. (laughs) Yeah, those are the real prime directives. Very good. So I made the mistake of having the robot fly in the Y&T video. The better Y&T video is the one we made before that called Mean Streak. I think it's really interesting how that music video, the Don't Stop Running one specifically kind of it, it reflects a lot of the themes in RoboCop, like how this geek, he wants to be cool. He wants to be some slick robot dude. It's kind of like how Murphy, he like he has this desire to be TJ Laser, right? He learns all these tricks and moves to kind of try to be a cool guy, but then he gets killed because of it, right? Then after getting resurrected, he actually is the cool guy, but he lost his humanity because of it. Just like the boy in Don't Stop Running. At the end, he wants to end up with the girl and he is this cool robot, but she rejects him. She right. runs away and She's leaves him crying robot, because he's man. not a human anymore. <laughs> yeah, those, those are very good points. Actually, the TJ Laser thing, which was completely Ed's idea, is, is really brilliant. He had been working at Universal Studios and there was a TJ Hooker character who kind of inspired the TJ Laser gun trick thing, which allowed us to have Lewis recognize the human inside the cyborg. I mean, it all lined up very nicely. I mean, of course, you're aware that Paul Verhoeven has publicly said that the character of Robocop is supposed to be kind of an American Jesus motif. Is this something that was involved from the start? You know, it's interesting. That's where Paul's brilliance comes in. The main influences for myself and Ed were Blade Runner, The Man in the Iron Mask, um, Judge Dredd, the graphic novel, which it's interesting. I think Robocop was the first adaptation of a graphic novel where there was no graphic novel. Yeah, There was melodrama. It was about 10% dialed up from where it should be. And, and, and so we got there first. In terms of the Jesus motif, Paul has been involved in something called the Jesus Project for a long time, and uh, it, it, it involves trying to determine what Jesus said and taught compared with what was added on by uh, disciples and historians. So he saw the reanimation of Robocop more as a resurrection uh, theme than Ed and I did. We didn't talk about that. So that's something that Paul brought to the project. Paul needs uh, more uh, credit 
for that, you know, unearthing that theme within our script. So I'm just going to go through and I'm going to outline some events or phrases or quotes that I think can be mapped one to one from Robocop or Murphy to Jesus Christ, right? Like, for example, I'll start you out with a softball. If we were going to try and define like a catchphrase for Jesus Christ, like what does Jesus Christ tell people? I think most people would agree that come follow me. Yeah, like that's that's what Jesus says. And RoboCop's catchphrase is quite similar. Jesus says, come follow me. RoboCop says, dead or alive, you're coming with me. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I mean, he took that catchphrase and he Americanized it, right? Now it's not an invitation. It's a command. I mean, mean, that that works for Jesus too, though. I'm dead or alive. It does. It doesn't matter. He's bringing you with him, whether you're dead or alive. (laughs) Starting out. We're going to go over what I call the betrayal and the resurrection. We all know that uh, Jesus Christ in in the New Testament, he was betrayed um, by his apostle Judas. Uh, he was yeah. specifically betrayed with a kiss. Yes. In RoboCop, Murphy, I believe, was also betrayed. He was betrayed by OCP. So... Murphy doesn't know why he's here, but he thinks it seems like OCP is moving a lot of new guys up there to Metro West, which is apparently a very unsafe place to be. Later on in the movie, Morton, the younger business guy who's kind of in charge of the RoboCop program, he says, we're ready to go, sir. We've restructured the police department and placed prime candidates according to risk factor. I'm confident that we can go to prototype within 90 days. (laughs) so what he's saying is we will have a body of a policeman because i have put fresh bodies in places where they will die (laughs) like that's what he's saying so he was literally betrayed by ocp they they put him there to die do they kiss him Yes, they do kiss RoboCop. Well, oh, he's being oh, that's created. True. She does. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Well, he's being created. So Murphy dies. They get his body back to OCP. They start, you know, taking off his human parts, almost ridiculing him. Like they take off his left arm, even though they don't have to. Right? Like very reminiscent of how the Romans treated Jesus, you know, during the crucifixion. Right? One of the ladies comes up to him puts a literal crown on his head and kisses him. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Right? Just like Jesus Christ during his crucifixion first got kissed by Judas as a betrayal and then had a literal crown of thorns put on his head. Well, they ridiculed him. Yeah, okay. Probably Paul was doing that on purpose and just didn't talk about it. The other one you could analogize is Murphy losing his hand in the torture Mm -hmm. murder as a kind of stigmata. Yeah. So um, you, you guys may be onto something here. No, I'm with you. Um, when, when they murder him, they specifically start with the hand. That's right. And that could be stigmata or maybe him getting crucified through the hand when they you know put the nails in. And then he gets crucified all over as the gang <laughs> wow. just shoots wow. him all over the place. It's all over. Dude. <laughs> uh, that's <Yeah>. so American. <laughs> Exactly. It's it's this is not like Jesus where he he got a few nails. This is American. He gets a right, lot of bullets. Right. I mean, one could possibly argue that what happens is he just gets shot a lot. But you know, yeah, he gets crucified a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he's crucified one more time at the end of the movie by Clarence, who drives a spike through RoboCop's shoulder. 
And this could be a crucifixion or it could be the moment where the um, the, the spear. guard yeah. pierced his side with a spear, right? Yeah. right? It, mm-hmm. it could be either one, but that's that's still part of the crucifixion. So I, I count that in Right. Here. Blood and water didn't pour out, though. Well, he was in water. Ah, <laughs> oh. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, okay. Water. <laughs> and then there's that, you know, the shot where he's, they're there in the uh, steel foundry and he's walking on water. So Paul was probably tickled you know, by being able to render that and, and push the theme more of, of Robo walking on water. Now, see, that's the only one right. that I picked up on. When yes, I was. that's the only one most people pick up on. <laughs> Jesus Christ, he walked on water to save his friends from a storm. Robocop, in the end of the movie, walks on water to kill Clarence specifically to save Lewis. Yeah. It's at this point where Lewis is incapacitated. She's full of holes, like she's been shot up. And Clarence is right there next to her. Robocop shows up and walks on water to get Clarence's attention and save the day there. And that's the one that Verhoeven has pointed out, right? When when he says that he, this was like, that's the only one he points out, I think. As far as I've heard from commentaries and stuff, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well... I mean, before we get any further, though, we did skip over one of the most famous scenes from this movie where the guy gets shot out the window. And to set up that scene, of course, OCP uh, has two different projects. One is the RoboCop project, and it's competing with ED-209, which is sort of a stop-motion creature that can walk around and says, like, you have three seconds to comply. Drop your weapon. ED stands for Enforcement Droid, and I'm guessing 209 was just like the iteration So to test out its capabilities, they are giving this one executive business guy a weapon, and then, of course, it malfunctions. It's not even a test, dude. You're giving (laughs) it too much credit. It's supposed to be a demo. Like The thing shouldn't even have live ammunition. (laughs) Yeah, so they give him a gun. It tells him to drop his weapon, so he does, and that's supposed to show, hey, this thing can enforce the law, but then it keeps counting down, saying you have three seconds to comply, and then it just shoots him and kills him. I love how like he just he gets shot for like I think it's it's something ridiculous. It's like over 30 seconds of film time of just him getting shot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like and then the dust settles and it's quiet in the room and then someone yells, "Somebody call a paramedic." <laughs> it's like it's not, what? It's not gonna help. <laughs> this man is more holes than man. <laughs> like he's dead. He's so dead. <laughs> Yeah. It was really good. Really good comedic timing. I love it. And I want to say, when the RoboCop remake was coming out, people were worried because it was going to be rated PG-13. And of course, I'm not one of those people who really thinks, oh, if it has an R rating, it'll be good. Or if it has a PG-13 rating, it'll suck. I kind of think that has nothing to do with if a movie's good or not. However... When people were worried about that, being like, oh, this is going to be watered down and stupid. Why is it PG-13? One of the filmmakers involved with the project said, come on, times have changed. If the original RoboCop was made now, it would have been rated PG-13. And everyone was like, what? Have you seen it? I mean, like, just for that scene of the guy getting shot alone, it would be rated R. Like, I mean, it did not instill confidence in anyone who was starting to lose confidence in the remake, which did end up not being very (laughs) well-liked or well-received. But, like, like, the first, one of the main filmmakers involved, it clearly has hasn't even watched the original of the movie he's remaking, <laughs> at least not in a long time, if he thinks it would be rated PG-13. It was almost in C-17. It, it is violence 
fortunately with Paul, it would, you know, it, 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 it's, it's quick and it has consequences. Oh, definitely. After Robocop fights ED-209, there's also another betrayal. Does Lewis deny him three times? Uh, kind of. <laughs> Not Lewis. Lewis actually okay. does save him here. But the police deny him at this moment. So it's oh, at this moment that okay. he walks out of the building and then is surrounded by police and they just open fire. They just start mercilessly shooting him. And a, f- a few of the police don't like it and they kind of protest, but they don't do anything to stop it. And they mm-hmm. just kind of stand around and watch. Right. And some of the police do shoot at him. Right. And so I kind of took this as Peter denying him. Right. Lying that he didn't know Jesus in basically being complacent. I mean, it would be better if someone actually denied him like three times was like, I don't know that police officer and kept shooting at him. And then like there was like a loud siren at the end and that cop felt bad. <laughs> but <laughs> there was not that much dialogue involved. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Another little evidence that I have, another event that I'd like to correlate with uh, Robocop's life, I would like to call the witness. If you've read the New Testament, Leif, uh, who was the first person to see Jesus Christ after his resurrection? Mary Magdalene. Exactly. In in one of the Gospels. In the other Gospels, she doesn't see him at all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> in John's Gospel, it's Mary Magdalene. She is the first person to see and recognize Jesus Christ after his resurrection, the woman Mary Magdalene. For Robocop, the first person to see and recognize him is also a woman. It is Lewis. Okay. Uh, Lewis recognizes Robocop as Murphy and confronts him about it after he has his big bad dream about, you know, getting murdered. Yeah, that's um, pretty good. I didn't notice that. And then later in the movie, once he finally understands, you know, what's going on, they're hiding at the steel mill. He asks about his family and she tells him, oh, they moved away. And she gets closer to him and she's going to touch him. She's going to pat him on oh, the shoulder to comfort him. He says, touch him. me not. And he stops her. <laughs> he says, leave me alone. She's about an inch away from touching him and she does not touch him. Just <laughs> oh, like Jesus said to Mary, me not, touch me not. I have not, not, yet, ascended I have not yet ascended to my father. Exactly. <laughs> and this has to be intentional, right? Wow. Like that, no, that's pretty good. I can imagine good. Verhoeven <laughs> saying to that actress, do not touch him, <laughs> right? Like, I believe that was definitely intentional. And this was Robocop's touch me not moment. I think it's interesting that those things line up. We, we I mean, we were obliged to do that because... It's uh, Lewis is his partner. So uh, yeah, I mean, it does line up very well. The other thing I, I will say is, again, I, I, I think it's just a not it's a lucky accident. So another act that I have mapped between Robocop and Jesus Christ is what I like to call the adulterer. I don't know if you remember Jesus Christ. Um, he saved an adulterous woman. Right, right. Whoever is without sin among you, let him cast the first right. stone. Yeah. So the story of Jesus Christ, there's this woman, she's basically getting mobbed. They want to stone her and kill her because she was adulterous. So they confront Jesus about it and they're like, hey, yeah, let's kill this woman. Help us kill this woman, Jesus. You're so, so gospely, right? Like, you're such a good guy. Why don't you help us kill her? He answers them and he, you know, says not to. Now, I'm going to map this to an event in RoboCop where RoboCop saves a girl who is getting mobbed. She's actually getting raped by a couple of gangsters. RoboCop enters the fray. And, you know, I talked about how they, in the New Testament, they want to stone this woman. Uh, First, Jesus disarms them. 
Well, RoboCop also disarms oh. them by shooting off that wow. guy's stones, right? Oh. Wow. Wait, wait, what, <laughs> he, does. Wait, what? he shoots off that guy's what? stones to what? disarm his ability. <laughs> well, what do you mean when you say Jesus disarms them? Like he just he disarms them well, metaphorically this, with his words. I yeah, guess. metaphorically <laughs> by how he talks to them about it. None of them go through right, with right. what you're going to do. None of them throw which is to stone weaponized rocks. Yes, okay. But this isn't. This is not Israel's Jesus. This is American Jesus. Okay. He's gonna disarm right, them yeah, with a yeah. gun <laughs> right so he he takes away their stones um and then he says your move creep jesus christ at this point said uh, your he move who is wi- he that is without sin among you <laughs> let, let him cast. first cast the stone ah, your move creep <laughs> right like it's literally what he's saying disarms them takes away the stones and says your move what are you gonna do <laughs> now after that's this good, event that's good i like that after the event has taken place and the accusers have left, right, they fled the scene, the woman in both cases is then comforted by her savior, but not how she expects to be. Where are those that hath accused thee? Hath no man condemned thee? Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more, right? It's not what she was expecting at all. Right, right. Robocop, she she runs up to him, you know, runs into his arms and says, oh, thank you so much. And then he looks at her and says, Madam, you have suffered an emotional shock. I will notify a rape crisis center. And then she just kind of looks confused at him. <laughs> it, it wasn't what she was expecting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like that's not exactly the most clear adaptation of the Christ story right there. But... I mean, both of them are saying... <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the, I get it. I get the it. emotional get it. turmoil is over. Now you can move on with your life. Wait, because the, the humor of, of that scene, of course, is just that RoboCop is so emotionless. And, uh, you know, this woman is looking for some form of comfort after a traumatic experience. And he's just like, I right. will not So are you saying that the American Jesus is... Not full of love and mercy, like like the, no, of the course not. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the American Jesus is a big badass action hero who only cares about being badass, right? <laughs> All right, yeah. Even though I'm a Buddhist, I've studied the life of Jesus, and historians speculate that he was a Torah scribe, and that may be the only way that someone could know all of these proverbs. And when you think about the function of a proverb, it was written before there was paper. It Mm -hmm. had to be short and punchy so that people could remember and transmit it orally because they couldn't write it down. So uh, one could also say that these things, your move creep, dead or alive, you're coming with me, could be. These are proverbs. Proverbs about violence. I love it. I love it. They're action movie one-liners from the past. <laughs> action movie proverbs. Well, well and also this, this movie has a, a lot of quotable one-liners. Like the most famous one is, I'll buy that for a dollar. We based uh, Bixby Snyder on Benny Hill, who was a raunchy English comedian who would get pies thrown in his face by scantily clad women. But we Americanized this lowbrow comedian from English television. What does he actually mean when he says, I, I'll buy that for a dollar? Like, what's the... I get, it is funny to me, but I don't think I quite get the joke. <laughs> it's a rejoinder, kind of like thumbs up. Okay, yeah, yeah. It, it's not really... It doesn't have really any meaning beyond... No, I see what you're saying. Isn't that great? 
Yeah. <laughs> Which is good, right? That's the uh, that's one of the themes of the movie. Like all that media, there's really no meaning behind it. Paul was considering the idea of shooting the media with over the shoulders, similar to something like Network. But we were very adamant about it being first person with news people looking straight out because you didn't want that extra layer. You wanted it to be uh, news people looking at you from the screen like a television. And there was a fourth media break at the end that didn't test well. The audience uh, preferred uh, Peter Waller saying Murphy, but we had these four other media breaks and one of them, Lewis is interviewed in a hospital bed. The stronger ending was Weller after he executes Jones uh, answering the old man, what's your name, son? Murphy. No, that makes sense. And then the big RoboCop <laughs> yeah. sign comes up. Yeah. And just because we're talking about that, I was wondering, maybe just as the writer, what your opinion is. Do you think RoboCop really was Murphy or was Murphy dead and RoboCop is just a robot that happens to have some of his memories? Murphy's alive. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And one of the things that Ed and I played with, uh, MGM hired us to write a RoboCop return script in... 2014 and 15. And we played around a lot with the idea of Robocop, who was that the, we, we, we have a, a prologue where he's hit by a RPG and then they put him in suspended animation and wake him up much later when things have gotten much worse. And one of the things that Robo wants to do is, is erase his memory of being a human being. The script was not made yet but it may have life in the future. So was this the script? I've heard of RoboCop Corporate Wars, which was originally going to be the sequel. Was this, is that what you're describing or is this something that's up and coming? We took that, the idea inside of that, which was written in okay. 1987 and did a, a, a new a page one original uh, based only on the, the concept that was in that script because we were, lousy we didn't have enough time we barfed out a first draft just before the writers strike. we carried on after a 30-year gap 30 years yeah wow <laughs> oh my gosh it's mean, a long time for well, a second I, I draft i sure <laughs> hope it gets made that would be that would be amazing to see like a, a true robocop sequel after 30 years after decades yeah that would be awesome like we would like it too hey well okay speaking of kind of the businessy side of things i actually I've seen a photograph that I really want to ask you about because I have no idea what's going on here. There's this black and white photograph of it's a man in a RoboCop costume and he's standing next to Richard Nixon. And they're like all buddied up and Richard Nixon's smiling. He's going to shake his hand. <laughs> what is going on here? What was that for? <laughs> I'm not sure if it was a replay of a Nixon with Elvis because he did like to pose with characters from popular culture. I don't know how that happened, but I have seen the photo. <laughs> I, I, I love oh, it. I think it's amazing that this photo exists. <laughs> it's so good. Nixon, he was a horrible liar in so many ways, but he is responsible for Title IX, which uh, offered scholarships for women, athletic scholarships at universities. He helped open up uh, uh, China he and Kissinger did bomb Hanoi on Christmas Eve of 1971, which is completely uh, a, a war crime. Uh, he's an interesting character 
I mean, compared with Ronald Reagan and, and going forward, who are clearly benign evil, Nixon is more conflicted and more affected by the times. That's why I just love that picture of RoboCop standing next to Nixon. Nixon looks so happy to be there. He's he's like, yeah, RoboCop. I'm like, did you not understand what RoboCop is about? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard a story that you originally, in the big gas station explosion, you wanted the shell logo. You wanted the S to drop off and it would become hell. <laughs> Is this right? You guys that really so cool. Good, good for you. That's, that's good research. Well, I've been trying for three scripts, the third one being Robocop, to have a gas station named Shell blow up and then just have hell, have the, the S gets popped off and have hell, hell in flames. So God bless John Davison. He cleared Shell Motor Company, which is different from the uh, gas, gas, the original uh, oil company. We built this thing. They shot it. The gas station explodes. They blow off the S and there's hell and they had a close up and Paul cut it out. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't sure the day that they dropped it or I would have <laughs> said because several things Paul didn't understand about really obvious humor and an American audience. He, 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 you know, as a European, there were things that needed to be a little more sophisticated and deft. And that includes draft four. When we were in development, we got Paul with draft three. With draft four, he said, let's try Murphy being a bachelor. And I, what I pointed out to Paul, look, for American audiences, you have to threaten home. If you look at Amityville Horror, if you take away their home, it strikes right at the heart of what they believe in most. And so he recognized that and said, okay, make him married again and, and have the fat with the condo. With the, so we put all that stuff back in. And, you know, much to his credit, he understood that he was wrong about that. So with hell, though, I wish I'd been there that day. Me too. One of the only mistakes I thought he made. The first time I heard that, I was like, that would be so perfect. <laughs> That's so good. And to hear you say that now that they, they actually filmed it, it exists and it wasn't put in the movie. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, that would have been perfect. It is a gothic tale. And oh, the man. horror of having one's memory blanked, all those things. And that would have added to that gothic quality. I agree. So that's uh, that's pretty much all of my evidence that uh, Robocop was, in fact, an American Jesus. That's what I got for you. I think it's a good theory. No, you you uh, like you came up with some great evidences that I had not thought of. All I knew was I know, the walking on water thing. I mean, that, that's pretty <laughs> impressive Jeez, to, to come up with these. that many that many pieces of evidence. I do have to ask, though, do you have any thoughts on the, the one question I had when I was watching this looking for, for Jesus metaphors was there's a flashback where he flashes back to shortly before Halloween and he's with his family and his son comes in dressed up as Satan. And I wonder oh. if you have any thoughts on what it might mean for no. the son of American <laughs> Jesus to come and dress up as Satan. Is his son the Antichrist or what's going on? I have on no there? idea, dude. You brought this up to me earlier and uh, you blew my mind. Like, I didn't even <laughs> notice this while I watched it. I mean, I, I noticed it, but I didn't make that connection. I racked my brain. I tried hard to come up with some, like, why? Because it's, it's an odd Halloween costume. I mean, back in the day, I guess 
people probably dressed up, kids probably dressed up as a lot as devils and Satan. Yeah, in like the little rascals, like <laughs> yeah. in like the fifties. I I don't know. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got. What do you think? I mean, was was RoboCop an American Jesus? As I've said, I don't think that anyone watching this movie really thinks that. And the evidence you have found, while impressive, is not the sorts of things that most people would see or pick up on. However, obviously, I got to yeah, give none give, of I, the stuff we go over is. <laughs> I know, but obviously, I got to give it to you because, like, the friggin' director Paul Verhoeven has said it. So I mean, yeah, he said so. No so matter what, true. this <laughs> is canon. Yeah, this is a Jesus allegory. But yeah, I think this is a fun theory. I love the movie RoboCop. Uh, if you get if you get the chance, please click the link, buy or rent the movie, watch it. You won't regret it. It's just a really fun movie um, if you're down for a gory, action-packed, satirical time. Totally. And try and pinpoint your own instances where RoboCop was in American Jesus. Let us know if you find something we didn't. Totally. <laughs> I yeah. tried my best, guys. Tweet at us on <laughs> at Popcorn Isn't Real if you have any opinions and also, uh, thanks for listening. The music for this episode was provided by Christine. And if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe or even leave a nice review for us. That would be cool. Thank you, guys. It's, it's been a lot of fun to chat. I, I, I really you. like your energy. Keep going. Well, thank you so much. I mean, I can't tell you what an honor it's been talking to you. Like, seriously, your work's shaped my childhood. I grew up with RoboCop, right? Like, this is, it's, uh, it's, it's been really great talking to you. So thank you so much for taking the time. You guys have got great energy. I I, uh, I know you're going to do fine. Awesome. Our, our show is called The Popcorn Isn't Real. So we always end every episode by telling our audience to remember the popcorn isn't real. Um, and since you're the guest, uh, would you like to do the honors? Yes, yes. Everyone out there listening to this great podcast, just remember the popcorn is not real. <laughs>